to Totalis Rankium. This week, I And welcome to Roman Emperors Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 111. Ooh. And it's really exciting. It is. We have our first female emperor. <gasps> yes. Only took 110 men before <laughs> the first woman came along. Countless years. Yeah. But we're here with Irene. Mm. Yes, but before we start couple of little things to begin with. If you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, you know at the start of the episode recently, we've been recommending some podcasts. Indeed we have. Indeed we have. And today, I'm going to recommend a podcast, one that I've been thoroughly enjoying. One of the few podcasts I listen to the episode as they're released, because I'm just enjoying it that much. I'll just play it, shall I? Here we go. Hello. Hello. I'm Adam. And I'm Matthew. And join us by the fire for Grim Reading, a podcast where each episode we read and review a different tale of the Brothers Grimm. That sounds pretty good. How does it work exactly? So I pick a tale of the Brothers Grimm that I would like to hear based purely on its title. Then Matt reads that tale to me, I react to it, and we delve into it in a bit more detail afterwards and review it and give it a rating out of 10 each. What's, uh, what stories would you recommend, Adam? Any good ones? I'd recommend all of them personally, but a few highlights to me include the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was. What a peach. There's the girl without hands. Imagine that. Imagine that. Girl without hands. Weird, isn't it? Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin, hello. Thank you so much to Rob and Jamie for giving us this opportunity to talk. Feels like a, a real invasion. But if you like Totalis Rankium and you like Rex Factor or Pontifacts, then you may, just may, just possibly, there's the off chance, the outside possibility that you might like our podcast too. So give it a try. And most importantly of all, keep it grim. Nice. I like that sign off. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm loving that podcast. They are going through all of the, the Grimm stories brilliant. one by one, and they're, they're bonkers. The stories are just crazy. Um, you, you got me into reading them to my class. Well, they, yeah. Mm. I started reading them to my class because I was enjoying them so much, and now my class have a big rating board where we rate all of the Grimm stories. It is fantastic. So... Go and check that out. Anyway, back to Romans. Romans. Back Don't you have an Romans. apology? <laughs> Damn it, you remembered. Just remembered. Is it uh, this time all of Australia? Apparently, um, it would appear that people in Australia have heard the song Come On Eileen. I know. I was. They played it in a bar when I was there. Yeah, it would appear the song written by the brother of my sociology teacher was far more popular than I realised. Ah. I did a little bit of research. Yeah, yeah. I looked on Wikipedia. Yeah, of course. Apparently, this song ranked in the top ten in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, South Africa, Switzerland, the UK and the US, and also came in the top 20 in Spain. Okay. They weren't as impressed in Spain, apparently. No. And they're just the ones covered on, on Wikipedia. Okay. So, I apologise to all of our listeners from all of those countries for me insinuating that this song wasn't as well known as perhaps it is. But I stand by the fact that it wasn't hugely popular in North Korea. So any of our North Korean listeners get in contact, see if you agree with that. That's the one, I, that's the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> that's a 
probably a good hill. <laughs> yes. So there we go. Apology over. And now a correction. What? Yeah, I'm not going to put the sad music on. This isn't an apology. Okay. Uh, because I asked for listeners to share what was going on with the crown. Yes. Yes. What on earth was Leo's death all about? Mm. I couldn't figure it out. Um, so I, I put on Facebook and Twitter, what's this about? And no one managed to get back to me in time. Well, actually, lots of people did. We read them out last week. But yeah. they weren't necessarily serious suggestions. Unless they were, in which case I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we were just mocking you all last week. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, no, there were a couple of fairly sensible ones, weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. My one was quite sensible. Oh, was it? Probably. Can't remember. <laughs> anyway, to, to remind listeners, this apparently is how Leo died, and this is using the Harry Turtledove translation. That's a great name. It's a good name, isn't it? Leo died in this way. He was mad about precious stones and was in love with the great church's crown. Coals came out from it onto his head and caused a severe fever. He died. And we didn't have a clue what that was on about. No, a bit, bit weird. No, but then, literally as I was sitting down to write up some Irene notes, one of our listeners, Arsene Nisenian, who eager-eared listeners, if you listen to The Life of Caesar, you might recognise that name. Hmm. It, it, it dawned on me the um, second time I saw the name. He was a guest on one of our shows. Oh, wow. He knows his stuff. Oh. He does. He's a knower. He's a knower. He goes to, like, Oxford and knows things about monophysites. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, he got in contact, and he found a better translation. So I will read the better translation. Constantine's son Leo died in the following manner. So it already sounds a bit better. <laughs> Being inordinately addicted to precious stones, he became enamoured of the crown of the great church, which he took and wore upon his head. So, quite similar so far. Yeah. But then, his head developed carbuncles, and, seized by a violent fever, he died. Okay. Yeah, apparently coal and carbuncles, or boils, share the same word in the original Greek. Oh, okay. And you have to use context to figure it out. Oh. Um, in this case, it's fairly obvious that it's meant to be boils, mm. not lumps of coal. Arsene then went on to inform me that this crown was the one that was worn by Maurice. <gasps> Maurice! Yes. So it's a French crown. Mon ami! <laughs> and then this crown was placed above the altar of the Hagia Sophia. And also, apparently back then, they believed that too much contact with rusty metal would cause these boils to erupt. So it's a rusty old French crown in the Hagia Sophia. What was it made out of? Um, rust. Okay. Yeah. I say gold doesn't really rust. Maybe it was a cheap knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> it is a French way. <laughs> yeah. I've just insulted everyone in France. <laughs> yes. oh, I'm sorry. Did, I think you did that many episodes ago. We. <laughs> <laughs> oui. Right, so there you go. We're, we're now a bit clearer how he died. He got some kind of infection from the crown, and that with the TB didn't help. And mm. He ended up dead. Fun. Yeah. So there you go. But that's last week. That's Leo. That's the past. Because this week, we have his wife. <gasps> Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Because wasn't... Right, you, you're probably going to explain it, so I won't talk about it too much. <laughs> but wasn't... Because you swapped the things around, didn't you? Because you were going to do Leo's son first, but you did Irene first. Leo's son, Constantine VI, is often listed before Irene. Yeah. 
But for reasons that will become clear throughout the episode, I've decided to do Irene first. Okay, you ready then? Uh, yes. She, oh yes, the pronoun <gasps> she, was born somewhere around 750 to 755, we're not really sure, in Athens. Athenian? Yes, she is quite often known as Irene the Athenian. Yeah. yeah. Irenian. Yes. <laughs> In Athens, a girl was born to a rich Greek family. We know next to nothing about her childhood whatsoever. Okay. It is possible that she was orphaned at some point at this age. As She's... lots of people tend to be in Rome. Yeah, well, she was, she was um, described as an orphan, but that was much later on in life, so we don't know when she was orphaned, but perhaps it's at this Might time. Might be a sob story. I think it is. I think she was born, and then they were riding along a cliff, like you do when you're in Athens. And uh, the the carriage went over the side. Oh, no. Yeah. Wiped the whole family out, apart from the little baby. Yeah. How does she survive? Airbags. Of course. Yeah. They were invented by, uh, was it Jonathan Airbag? Yes. From uh, Greece. Around, only only ten years previous to that. Yeah. So that's pretty got, good. Got lucky. Got In the 740s. That's not bad. Yeah. So there you go. <clears throat> it would appear she was looked after by her uncle or her cousin. Or both, depending on how inbred this family was. Well, um, they can be... Well, you, can, you, you go and live with your uncle, who'd have... And their son would be your cousin. Or daughter would be your cousin, wouldn't it? Yeah, that could have caused confusion. A family member. A close family okay. member, anyway. Uh, this close family member was in charge of the Helladics. Or Helladics theme. Talked about themes before, but this is the one basically in Greece. The region yeah. in Greece. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. So, the guy who's running Greece for the Empire, basically. So, powerful family. As you can imagine. For reasons we don't know, she was selected by Constantine V, Pooface, to marry his son Leo IV when she was in her mid to late teens. Like I said last time, we don't really know what the age difference was here. No. She was pro- she was between 14 and 18. 16 and a half. Yeah, usually four years probably doesn't make much of a difference. Between the age of 14 and 18... Oh, that's a difference. That's an important four years. <laughs> it's a very important year. So yeah. in the eyes of the law. Less so back then, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Personal friendship between the theme commander and the emperor, perhaps, caused this Mm. betrothal to take place. Uh, Maybe it was a political union, we're unsure about. Like I said last time, there was a theory that this was just a bridal show and she was picked out from the line. But again... You'll do. There is literally no evidence of this whatsoever. Uh, It is just wild speculation by some historians. So, yeah, so who knows? Maybe she was parachuted in by giraffes. If we're going down that route, we have no idea. Hippos. She was dredged from the bottom of a. a I hit it in swamps, but like a watering hole by hippo. It's dragged through the the muddy soil. Got up, saw one hand, covered in mud, white dress, covered, soaked, destroyed. Gave her white tissue. She's suddenly very clean and angelic looking. Yeah, fairy tale. Yes. Yeah, a bit like that. Anyway, whatever the reason. On the 1st of November, 769, this young woman arrived in Constantinople with much fanfare, apparently. She was escorted to the capital by warships and galleys. Ooh. Yeah, this wasn't just a she turned up and was selected. This was planned out in advance. Uh, she wore fine silk clothes and she met the prominent men and women of the city and then formally was betrothed to the emperor's son, Leo for That's really weird, like a formal engagement. Yeah. I, I guess done very publicly, very sort of, look at this amazing thing that will happen. Yeah. I mean, we know from our own experience, royal family know how to milk a wedding. And well, they the do. people seem to love it for some reason. Really? I hear about that woman that came from America, and she, <laughs> she had a little, uh, like a princess tent, like a kid's one, and she camped outside Buckingham Palace <laughs> for like five days before the wedding. 
in line. I genuinely think the average American would be utterly shocked at how little anyone cared about the royal wedding in this country. Did you did you know anyone who even watched it? Uh, my wife's aunt and uncle. Well, there you go. That's the, now well, the aunt. only person I yeah. know who watched it. But anyway, back then, like now, um, in certain circles, it's a very popular thing. So I imagine that it's an excuse for a party, really, isn't That's it? That's true, yeah. Yeah. And who can turn one of those down? I guess it would look bad as well if you didn't turn up. So you'd sort of have to, sh- you know, you'd have to show how passionate and how much you love them. Cause... Well, like the ruling class? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got to turn up if you're a ruling class. Yeah. That's faux pas number one. So anyway, patrol's done. A month later, they were married, and she was crowned empress. Leo technically was joint emperor at this time. Yeah. At some point, possibly here, maybe it was before with the betrothal, we don't know, she changed her name to Irene. Who knows what it was before? Tracy. Judy, like every bloody other person. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? But she's now definitely Irene. And we also know a year later, she gave birth to a son named Constantine after the grandfather the current emperor that's Constantine pop a box around him he'd be be six wouldn't he he's Constantine six yes he comes back in the story quite a bit being the son of her that would make sense and he's going to die at some point clearly because if she's from emperor empress or is he really young let's find out (laughs) continue the episode interesting that you're correcting your emperor empress there though I was going to mention it later, but I'll fit it in now. Um, there is some debate. Irene quite often styled herself as Emperor, not Empress. I guess that'd be the title, wouldn't it? I guess yeah, it wasn't yeah. gender-specific, just like Emperor. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, you're the Emperor, because that's what they had. She was... Uh, I mean, you did get the equivalent of Empress, but she styled herself as the equivalent of Emperor quite mm. often. But anyway, we'll come back to that later. So, we're, we're going into the land of speculation. Things go a bit quiet for a while. It would appear that Irene did not believe in the iconoclast leanings of the Emperor and her new husband, and remained sympathetic to those who still pushed for the use of icons. Iconophiles. Exactly. There is some evidence that the Emperor's wife and daughter also had iconophile leanings. So perhaps the Emperor was willing to turn a blind eye to family members' beliefs if they weren't too overt. Yeah, as long as it doesn't stand out too much and draw too much attention. Yeah, exactly. At some point, it would have become clear to Irene that her new husband was not well. Because all the coughing and the The blood in the tissues. The fact that he was dead. (laughs) Slightly before that. (laughs) But yeah, he'd keep pausing at the door before leaving the room, coughing into a tissue, looking at it, stifling back a sob, saying a really (laughs) big long bye, and then he'd leave. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) I've written my will. Fair child, fair wife. I'm not long for this world. Literally every morning. (laughs) (laughs) She tried to remain sympathetic, but it it grew wary. After the sixth month, yeah. Yeah. For goodness sake, Leo, pull yourself together. Yeah. Anyway, before anyone can dwell on this, however, the Emperor then died. Constantine (laughs) face. Oh, that's good for her. Well, good for her. Because in her early 20s, uh, most roughly, Irene found herself wife to the 25-year-old Emperor of the Romans. Oh, got a long life ahead of him. <laughs> Fit and healthy. Yeah. Spot with that moaning. The next thing we know about Irene is that one of her cousins was married to the defecting Bulgar king, if you remember. Oh, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a calm-down solution. Yeah, we, are, we have no idea, obviously, how involved Irene was in this. Maybe trying to talk the cousin round. It's fine, he might be a barbarian, but he's got rugged good looks, <laughs> perhaps. I know he's covered all in hair, but it, it'll be <laughs> 
fine, don't worry. That's a stereotype anyway. <laughs> the poor guys get really quite cross when we start talking <laughs> about them as animals. <laughs> we need to stop that. We'll be fine. Maybe wedding night tips as well. Yeah, maybe. maybe Lie back knows. and think of Rome, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, God. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the new Emperor Leo was worried about his stepbrothers, the should ring a bell, Nicephorus, Christophorus, and the three others I didn't bother naming, were revolting. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> disgusting, yeah. <laughs> and as we've seen, they were exiled. Yes. Then the events of last episode play out, so I'm not going to go over them much, and little is known of Irene during this time, apart from the possibly or even probably untrue story that I mentioned at the end of the episode with the icons <laughs> under the pillow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th that's the only story we get there. Then, after five years, in 780, her husband's weak health finally gave up. She's probably relieved at this point. Yeah. Every time he left her room... <laughs> And he dies. So, the crown passed on to his son, and already co-emperor Constantine VI, aged nine. So he'll need someone to look after him, right? Well, it soon became very clear to everyone that Irene planned to act as regent. That's sort of like a placeholder, isn't it? We had the prince regent um, for... George III, yeah. who became George IV, sort of doing the kingly duties while the while the other king was, you know, attacking penguins. <laughs> yeah, or just getting old enough in this case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that caused some problems. Everyone kind of looked at each other. Like, what, well, what, what? Well, obviously a, a, ch a child can't rule. That makes sense. Uh, but can a woman be regent? W woman? <laughs> yeah. Woman? And also, doesn't she have iconophile leanings? All under her bed. <laughs> I've heard the rumours. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, as you can imagine, a faction made a play for the throne. A couple of generals in charge of a couple of the themes, along with the leader of the excubators, hatched a plan. We have very few details, but they wanted to get one of Leo's brothers on the throne. Instead of six. Yeah, instead of Constantine VI, let's replace Constantine VI with Nikephoros. The revolting one. The revolting Nikephoros. Bit dodgy. Yeah. If Nikephoros and his new followers thought that this was going to be an easy coup, after all, it's against a child and a woman, um, <laughs> well, they were mistaken. Really? Yes, because Irene was not about to see her child deposed. And upon finding out about the plot, she moved quickly and had all involved seized. They were beaten and stripped of their titles. Probably actually stripped as well. Quite possibly before the beatings. Irene then replaced all of these men with men she could trust, such as the, the leader of the excubators, got someone that she could trust in charge. That makes sense. And as for the brothers of Leo, Nikephoros, Christophorus, and the three unnamed ones, well, they were clearly going to be a problem, weren't they? Only one way to solve probably in Roman times. Go on, then. What? Kill them? No. Cut the noses off? No. One more step down. She monked them. Oh, the women like take their teeth out. <laughs> no, no, no. She decided to monk them all, and to make sure everyone got the point, she forced them to deliver communion in the Hagia Sophia shortly afterwards on Christmas Day. Oh, imagine how awkward that would be. Yeah, I'd like to think that she forced them to do it and didn't allow them any preparation time. <laughs> yeah. Just pushed them in front of everyone. Go on, do communion. Like Ephraim, can I speak to you, please? Oh, thank yes. I can watch this on new role, new role as being monk. Yes, it looks very good. Now, off you go. Communion time. What? You know what to say. You come to this every week. You're a monk. 
I don't listen. Oh, dear. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> You're not going to look very silly, aren't you? I suggest you hurry up and remember the words. That dome is not going to hold forever. <laughs> <laughs> My goats are getting tired. <laughs> are they the, the dome support goats? <laughs> yes. Just tied onto the dome while I'm walking continuously outwards to keep it supported. Oh, yes. They've got to keep walking, otherwise the dome comes down. Yeah, and there's yeah. support goats at the bottom, just like edging, you know, edging the pillars. So they don't yeah. <laughs> anyway, she hoped that this would make her seem compassionate to the people. She's not some tyrant. She's not going to chop off bits and kill people. No, she's going to monk people and exile them, like a reasonable person. Yeah, yeah. I love this bloodshed and mutilation. Then, in order to please the church, she then returned the crown that her husband had taken back oh. to the Hagia Sophia. There you go, have your weird, rusty French crown. <laughs> she even put a few extra pearls on it as oh, a that's... sort of sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this rusty, decrepit-looking, <laughs> mangled, beaten thing with two shiny pearls on it. Yeah. There you go, all better now. <laughs> Thanks, folks. <laughs> My husband shouldn't have taken this, but there you go. Then she publicly announced that her husband's sister, so the sister of the uh, the brothers who had just been mocked, yeah, she could rule as co-regent to show no hard feelings between branches of the family here. This uh, wasn't personal. It just had to be done. So come and be co-ruler. So we've gone from a patriarchy to a matriarchy. Well, if this was a serious offer, the sister refused immediately. I don't know. <laughs> I see what happens to emperors. Yeah, I don't want to do that. She dedicated herself to a nun's life instead. And so the regency of Irene begins. According to Theophanes, this was all preordained, by the way. Of course it was, yeah. Yeah, you ready for an omen? Oh, I'm not for omen! Yeah, I know. I'm... Omen time! It's omen time. Uh, a man in Thrace, are you picturing him? Yes. In my head, he's a bit like a stereotypical gold digger in, like, the Californian gold rush. Oh, like, slightly dirtier clothes, axe over his shoulder. Baggy trousers, braces, no no top. Really scrawny. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Wired look. What wiry, yeah, yeah. wide eyes, yeah. bit unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> he's been out in the sun for weeks looking. Digging. <laughs> panning, 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 yeah. panning. <laughs> well, he's digging in thrice. Who knows what he's digging dig, for? Dig, 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 dig. And then suddenly he finds, like you would, a coffin underground. No! <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe he's a grave robber. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a gold digger, honest. <laughs> yeah. So, he digs up the coffin, and obviously, what are you going to do if you find a coffin? Open it, of course. Yeah, obviously, who knows what could be in there. And he found, guess what? The uh, the Common Eileen song, first edition, first press <laughs> vinyl LP. No, it wasn't that, although I wish it was. It was a dead body. Whoa! Yeah, I know. Whoa. Twist! But, but, there's more, you'll be pleased to know, there was a letter on this body. So, the grave robber read this letter. All the lyrics, come on Eileen. No. With Eileen crossed out and Irene put in his place. Fortunately not. No, here were the words and I will quote them. Christ was certainly born of the Virgin Mary, and I believe him. Daylight, look upon me again in the reign of the Emperors Constantine and Irene. So this, this was meant to have been in the ground for years. And it's dug up at the start of Irene's rule. Right, you picture in the scene? Yeah. Just keep panning to the right a bit. <laughs> right. See, you see that, that 
cluster of trees. Yeah. And the sniggering students just behind it nudging oh, each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Ah, oh, he's reading it. <laughs> Idiot. He doesn't know their tea stains <laughs> So anyway, there you go. Omen. Meanwhile, back in the capital, Irene was looking to consolidate her and her son's rule, realising she was on shaky ground here. <laughs> the only reason is, she's a woman. Well, pretty much, yeah. So she needs some support. So... She decided that a marriage allegiance with a powerful king might do the trick. So, she sent off envoys to the King of the Franks, who had just recently claimed the title King of the Lombards as well. Ooh. This king was doing all right for himself, shall we yeah. say, because that's right, it's Charlemagne. Charlemagne! We have finally reached him. Here he is, it's Charlemagne. Not... The first Holy Roman Emperor, just yet. He is King of the Franks and King of the Lombards at this point. See, it's really bad. I've heard the name. Nothing. No idea. No. I know, or knew, I should say, very little about him. It's not a period of history that I'm particularly familiar with. I know a bit about him now, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, the more I find out, the more interested I am. Let's Ooh. just say that. Yes. You have a historian within you, Rob. <laughs> well, the suggestion here was that little Constantine, so nine-year-old Constantine, marry... Charlemagne's daughter, whose name was Red. Well, it wasn't like Red as in how we'd say Red. Rouge. Yeah, exactly. Mon petit ami. <laughs> Would you like to marry the Byzantine Empress's son? <laughs> Would you like to do that? No? Why not? You play with your Lego? That is a shame. It will happen, unfortunately. I will be sending a cut of you to see how beautiful you look. Pout, my daughter, pout! Let the sun come from your eyes. Uh, are we done? <laughs> Sorry. Got a bit carried away there. Almost disturbingly so, yes. <laughs> Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> Having to pose for those woodcuts. <laughs> yes. Now we understand how you met your wife. <laughs> it was a glorious day. <laughs> so, yes, after that little detour... Um, Charlemagne was making a name for himself, shall we say, uh, across the known world at this point. Uh, and having him on your side would really make any potential revolters think twice. Make you seem more powerful, you have an allegiance, you're, yeah. you're, you're making yourself stronger. Yeah, exactly. So uh, You could argue propped up, but we'll <laughs> say stronger. Stronger. Uh, the betrothal was indeed put in place. Ooh. However, things are not going smoothly. Sicily, which is still in the Empire's hands at this point. Yeah. Uh, most of Italy is gone. Obviously, all of Africa's gone. But Sicily and Sardonia is still there. But only just, because the governor over there has just declared himself emperor. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yes. Irene had the governor's family beaten, <laughs> mocked, slash nunned, like you would, and then sent troops over to put this down, which they did. It was successful. The governor, upon losing, fled to Africa and was welcomed by the caliphate, who were more than happy to recognise him as emperor, as long as it was kind of mixing things up a bit, causing trouble. Yeah. Anyway, sensing weakness, the Abbasid caliphate then invaded Asia Minor. Forces were ready to turn back this invasion. However, news of Roman troops blunting the attack was dampened by the news that one of the generals had defected to the caliphate. Ooh. Yeah, that's not great. All of a sudden, it was less likely that the Romans could keep the Abbasids out. So, negotiations struck up. Unfortunately for Irene, however, the men who approached Haran, 
who was the son of the caliph. Yeah, the, the people who approached the Arab armies did not prepare for this negotiation meeting well enough. Oh, the meeting is today! <laughs> oh, oh, I left my diary back at... Oh, when, when you said Friday, I thought you meant like week Friday. Oh, <laughs> damn this it. is embarrassing. <laughs> left my powerpoint at home oh and it's all in i had loads of pictures in and those lovely animations that everyone loves <laughs> yes and noises it's gonna read off every slide <laughs> um yeah not only had they got the date wrong and the, uh, forgotten all their powerpoints but what is the most important thing if you're meeting an enemy force to negotiate peace terms what should you make sure is in place first that they won't kill you and how do you do that make a deal using or what Gold. Nope. Bribe. Nope. Meet in the middle. Land. Give, give, promise them something. You're close. You're close. People. People. Hostages. Hostage, hostages. Yes. Offer people that you've taken and say, I'll give you these people back as good as good faith. See, got it in six. <laughs> you're still not quite there. Uh, <laughs> not like prisoners, but you exchange hostages before the meeting. So here, have little Lucy and I'll have Bill there. And I'll give you Bill back once I get Lucy back after the meeting. Yeah, that's good. Unless I find Bill better company than Lucy, in which case I'm keeping him. Ooh. That's generally how it went. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and if you kill me, then Lucy, sorry, loses her face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was custom to arrange these hostages. Make sure the meeting goes smoothly. Oh, dear. So I forgot my diary. For... Oh, hostages! <laughs> yes, exactly. Damn it! <laughs> When the high-up Roman officials turned up in the caliphate camp, without having prepared the hostages, they were simply just seized. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, there's nothing stopping us from just taking you now. So... <laughs> it's the camp. Do you have the host... N no. Oh. Would you just step this way? <laughs> <laughs> Please. So, yeah, Hyrene was then forced to negotiate from a worse position than she would have had to initially, because she just lost some high-up officials, yeah. which is not great. No. So yeah, Irene was then forced to pay a huge sum over three years in exchange for the attacking force to retreat. This included around 80,000 dinars, um, which is a large sum of money, mm. uh, and interestingly, 10,000 silk garments. <laughs> they just love to dress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a lot of silk garments. I'd like to think they were all, like, really billowy trousers, just in red, green, and yellow. Nice. That was it. That's all they wanted. Yeah. As you can imagine, this does not go down well with most back at home. I imagine they had to put on a silk garment tax that year, <laughs> hand over the trousers. But perhaps this was actually a blessing in disguise, because it was not just the caliphate who had noticed the empire was currently in a weak position. The Bulgars had also. So, more Bulgar raids started up in Greece. Irene, because she wasn't fighting the Caliphate, was able to send a man named Storakios to deal with this. Storakios had been one of the men kidnapped previously. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, but he was trusted by Irene, uh, partly because he was a eunuch. <laughs> Hands up. Trust to me is no indication of talent or ability. <laughs> but I don't have balls, so you can trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the balls to rise against you. Yeah. Uh, get it, eunuch pun. Get it? No? Okay, I'll be off. Anyway, Storakios made up for his past errors by winning several battles against the raiding Bulgars. So, mm. does a good job there. 
After this, perhaps attempting to build up her popularity, she went on a bit of a tour of the Thracian lands. Sounds quite fun. Apparently, her and her son went with, and I quote, a large force... What, what have you got in mind? A large force? Lots of soldiers. Carrying houses. tools and musical instruments. Oh! Yeah, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Like, like one of those travelling... Travelling musician Minstrel things. Minstrel show. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Not, not sure. the bad kind. <laughs> not sure what the tools are. I'm like a hacksaw. <laughs> a wrench. <laughs> uh, and a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, my image now is these amazingly trained musicians, very kind of agrarian style music, lots of folky stuff. Then Jeff with a wrench. <laughs> yes. Trying to blow it like a flute. <laughs> or the force are the soldiers, and they're just looking very confused at their piccolos. <laughs> well, I could probably stab it in him, but that's about it. Cause a bruise. <laughs> Pass me that tuba, I could do more damage with that. <laughs> Tactical oboe. <laughs> I imagine lots of people enjoyed this, yes. whichever version it was. A few years had passed by this point, and Irene looked like she was going to survive. It was shaky to begin with, but okay, she's been in power as regent for a, for a few years. Her son Constantine, it now looked, would indeed reach adulthood and be able to take over. Oh, brilliant. Sorry, what does adulthood class as? There's no fixed age at this time. It was more to do with maturity than an arbitrary number. When he puts his Lego box under the bed for the final time. Yeah. They measure it with the depth of the dust on top of it. The first day he walks past a ball pool and doesn't immediately jump in. Oh, that's struggle. Well, yeah, we don't struggle. <laughs> but that's, that's the maturity, though, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, perhaps feeling more secure, Irene, Irene started to think of more than just survival. So, in 784, Paul, the patriarch, suddenly retired. Oh. Yeah, Theophanes reports that this was a shock to everyone... And Paul was retiring because he was very ill. He felt ill because he was so shamed that he had allowed iconoclasm to last for so long. Oh. Apparently, the people turned to him and said, At the time you were appointed, why did you subscribe to giving no reverence to icons? And Paul is said to have replied, I am in mourning. Because of that, I beg God not to punish me. Oh. So he's going back on the old, the whole iconoclasm thing. So he's become more of an iconophile. Well, yeah, you get the feeling that there's uh, some wires being pulled in the background here. Yes, it would appear Irene was pushing the old man out to get her own man in. Ooh. And indeed, this is what happened. The next patriarch was Tarasius, who was a career politician and a diplomat rather than a man of the church. And again, considering the state of the church at this time, perhaps this isn't a bad thing. Having someone who knows how to run things and make negotiations and do deals, instead of just someone who firmly believes in one thing and one thing only. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It, if you want to run an empire, that's what you need. Yeah. So, with a sympathetic patriarch in place, Irene then decided it was time to patch things up with Rome and the Pope. Ooh. The split had gone on long enough, she thought, and it was helping no one. So, a letter from Irene and her son was sent to the Pope. Imagine a, a very formal letter with a little crayon drawing by Constantine at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Picture of Constantine, his mum, a big heart, and a Pope. And a dog. And a dog, obviously. And a happy sunshine. Yeah. Wearing sunglasses. Yeah. He knows what sunglasses are because Jesus is wearing them all around the city at the moment. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Jesus. The letter basically said, and I am paraphrasing heavily here, look. 
Things have gotten out of hand somewhat, haven't they? Send some delegates over, and we'll talk about how maybe, perhaps, we went overboard with this whole no-icons <laughs> business. We're rethinking policy. Yeah. The Pope, a man named Hadrian at this time. Ooh. Yes. Pope Hadrian. Yeah, Hadrian replied guardedly. Hmm. He wasn't happy that the Patriarch of Constantinople was a politician, a layman. Then again, you do seem genuinely to want to mend the rift between us, so okay. I'll send some people. And that picture is just divine. <laughs> yes. Everything seemed to be going according to plan. Getting Rome on board, Irene was then able to secure delegations from Antioch, Jerusalem, Alexandria, all the places that had been avoiding Constantinople for quite yeah. some time due to the iconoclasm. That's good. So in August 786, the meeting took place in the capital. That's right. It's an ecumenical council. Yes! Yes. Another one! Tarasius had done his groundwork, and everything was going smoothly. The nibbles were set out. The agenda had been set. Someone's just clearing their throat to begin. Everyone's settling down for some good, old-fashioned counselling. Brilliant. When all of a sudden, the doors flew open. (gasps) Jorgen stopped. Yes. Everyone stares, slack-jawed at the door, because then a group of armed men stormed the meeting. They threatened the bishops and abbots and the patriarch with death. Swords at throat kind of thing. Irene, hearing about this, ordered her guards to go and remove these armed men. Mm. But they openly disobeyed. The guards? Yeah, and threw their support behind the rebels. Once the initial chaos died down, amazingly, the armed men left. No one died. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they made sure it was really, really clear. Probably got them all to repeat it in unison. We will not stand for the veneration of icons in our church. We will not stand for the veneration of icons in our church. And then they checked all their hands that no one was crossing their fingers when they said it. You, you! Yeah. Don't cross them. I'll chop them off. Okay. So, yeah, they all filed out, leaving the meeting... Very shaken, but everyone's sort of checking themselves slightly. It's like, I've not been stabbed. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Irene, as you can imagine, furious, and immediately set a plan in action. She soon learnt that the men were part of one of the armies that were loyal to the dead Constantine Pooface and his iconoclast ways. Strachius was then sent out to ensure that the forces in the field nearby were loyal to her, and indeed they were. So, she then announced that the Empire was going to invade Syria. Which is nice. Distraction. Partly distraction. But also, guess who gets to go? Those soldiers. Those soldiers. Yay! Yeah. Hope you survive. (laughs) Those troops were indeed sent east. Where, once they were out of harm's way, they were quietly disbanded. Like, one at a time, maybe. They didn't even notice. Sword inspection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can I have a bat? No. No. Bye. Do I get a severance pay? I'll sever something. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If the leaders of these forces wanted to fight back... The promise of retribution from the forces loyal to Irene stopped them. So that that's the, the armed forces dealt with. But of course, there were another group that had just betrayed Irene, and that was the palace guard. Oh. Yeah, and I'll just quote Theophanes here. Irene sent the palace guards a message. Give me your weapons. I have no service for you. And then back to Theophanes here. Since God made them foolish... They gave their weapons up. She then loaded their families into ships and exiled them from the city, ordering each of them 
to return to their own native village. Oh. Which is interesting. Does that mean so, the entire palace garden was made up of villagers? I guess, like, yo, you came from this village, like, years ago. You bugger off back to there. You go back to wherever you came from. So, I've, I've lived down the road. <laughs> from whence you came. I live on Short Street. Whence you <laughs> came. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the palace guard were, yeah. were sorted out, basically. Okay. I imagine she hired new ones. Yeah, she, she used the men that she knew were loyal to her and drafted them in to form a new guard. So she's now got a loyal guard, which is good. So she then sends word out to the men who had been at the, the council that had been invaded. And we're about a year on at this point. Okay. Yeah. Come back, she said. I've sorted out all the mean men with swords. You will be left in peace this time. So back you come. The delegates from Rome had made it all the way back to Sicily. They hadn't actually made it home, but they were okay. nearly, nearly home, uh, before getting word that the meeting was back on. So, perhaps somewhat reluctantly, sighing, they turned back. Here we go again. Uh, it takes a year to get here. I mean, it's so lovely with the scenery and the wine and the food and the olives and the tapas, but my God, it's a long journey. Yeah, it doesn't really explain why it was taking them so long to get back, but perhaps what you've just outlined is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, why not take your time? Party to Why not? Anyway, smooth feathers, because there was definitely some grumblings. The delegates from Rome were given precedence over all those on the attendance list. So it said their names on top. Oh, nice. Just to cheer up Rome and uh, the Pope. This time the meeting took place in Nicaea, October 787. Security was turned right up, like, to 11. Or yeah. have one of those metal-detecting beepy things. Yeah. Beep. Cavity searches. Ooh. On all entrances Ooh. To, to the building, not the body. <laughs> but maybe that's it. <laughs> sure enough, the council concluded the icons, by the way, now we've really stopped and really thought about it, they're all right. Yeah, we love icons. Yeah, in fact, all iconoclast literature was to be surrendered to the patriarch under pain of excommunication. Mm. Um, yeah, so icons, all good. All around the city, people were robbing out Jesus's moustache. Yes. Taking down the soup signs. <laughs> yes. And, oh, look! <laughs> wow, where did this come from? Things in the ecumenical council did get a little bit heated when uh, discussion changed to what to do with the bishops who had pushed for iconoclasm. Mm. It was finally decided that they would have to publicly recant their previous convictions, but then they could stay in the club. They could still be bishops. See, that's nice. Yeah. What if they don't recant? Well, then they were excommunicated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Irene had managed to overturn the last 60 years of doctrine in the capital. That's a big thing. That is a big thing. She and Constantine both attended the final meeting, where they both signed the acts of the council in purple ink. Ooh. Yeah, fancy. The royal colour. Yeah. Partly the royal colour, and partly because that's the one Constantine chose out that day. Yeah. From his box of crayons. <laughs> However, this council actually had some unintended consequences. Charlemagne, in the West, received a poorly translated version of the Acts of the Council and declared that the findings were heretical. Charlemagne's not pleased with it. But he... did, 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 did what, what? Did he did he care about iconoclasm? Or did he... No, but there were some other things in there that he wasn't too pleased with. And also, as I say, the translation wasn't great. So he just wasn't 100%... But gets our band? <laughs> yeah. No. He wasn't 100% certain that this is what he wanted. Yeah. Um, and also, he hadn't been invited to the club, so... That's a good point. <laughs> He's probably just a bit sore. My daughter is betrothed to your son. Well, I should be there. 
There was also rumours that Irene heard that Charlemagne was attempting to gain closer ties with the Caliphate. And this kind of made Irene rethink the whole marriage thing between their children. Don't listen to rumours. It's a good album. Never mind. <laughs> I apologise. Do me a second. Yeah. So anyway, Irene sent word the wedding was off. Oh. Apparently, young Constantine was not best pleased about this. He's a bit older by this point. Oh, you would be. He's he's now getting to the age where I imagine an attractive princess coming along would uh, he'd enjoy that. Be be just fine for him. Yes, it'd help out quite a lot. Yeah, but Irene had decided that she could find a more useful match. So she sent out a man to look for suitable brides. <laughs> really pervy man. <laughs> I need someone to go out and judge some women. Wow, that's a lot of volunteers. <laughs> oh, pervy Peterson, you'll do. <laughs> All right, Your Honour. Let's go and check out these girls. Well, he was told to send back reports of possible matches, including lots of detail, ranging from the physical descriptions uh, <laughs> to family backgrounds. Great norks. <laughs> Unfortunately, that might have been the case, yes. <laughs> anyway, in this way... A young woman named Maria was found. And this, by the way, might be where the uh, the bridal show theory for Irene comes from. Okay. Because essentially that is, this is what that is. Yeah. Anyway, Maria's found. Apparently Constantine was less than impressed with the choice. Yeah. We don't know why. She's six. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, the wedding took place later that year. Ooh, okay. Now, known to Irene or not, her son started to resent his mother at this point and the way that she was dominating his life. We don't know how it happened. We don't know who approached whom. But one day, Dyrrhachius came across information that implicated the young emperor in a plot to overthrow his own mother. Oh. You made me marry that horrible woman instead of the sexy young princess I'd been promised. <sighs> Her name's Red. That sounded exciting. Starachius informed Irene of the shocking news, and she stormed off to confront her ungrateful son. Stormed into his bedroom. Shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. I'm getting changed. <laughs> Probably not too far off. Uh, in a meeting <laughs> that resulted in Irene slapping Constantine round the face... Oh, OK. ...for being ungrateful, she learnt what was going on. Constantine just folded like a sad, damp flannel... And uh, gave up a list of all his conspirators immediately, apparently. Those who seemed the most dangerous to the state, Irene banished to Sicily. Those less dangerous, she put under house arrest. And as for her son, what's the punishment for her son? How extreme is she going to go here? Well, she's been caring for... Well, it depends on her psyche. I mean, if, if she's really enjoying this power, this could be an excuse she wants to get rid of him. But I don't feel that I think be a short shot maybe a monking but with a thing maybe in a few years after you've been monked you can come back and be emperor when you've come of age i'll quote shall i oh dear she slapped and reviled her son so that slap around the face like i said yeah and did not let him go out for a number of days oh <laughs> he was quite grounded. literally grounded <laughs> <laughs> naughty emperor <laughs> you will go to your room and think about what you've done I want a sorry letter written nicely in Greek. Yeah, I love this. That's fantastic. <laughs> the emperor literally got grounded <laughs> for plotting a coup. <laughs> Bad emperor. Still, 
Irene felt the ground shifting under her once again. Yeah. Her son was, was getting to the age where he was starting to want to take power for himself. To be fair, he is the emperor. <laughs> you can see where he's coming from. So yeah, like I say, ground shifting. Partly, literally, because a massive earthquake just hit. Ooh. Yes, but more figuratively, because she was aware now that there were those who would always use her son as a rallying point mm. to plot against her. In an attempt to keep the army and the civil service loyal to her, she ordered that everyone take an oath. As long as she lived, they would not replace her with her son. Ooh. Yeah. That's her taking control. In a show of strength, she then started to place her name before Constantine's in documents. Ooh, burn. Yeah. So I'm guessing Constantine's still, like, in his room, grounded. Third day. Tries to plug his PlayStation in, but Irene's very cleverly... She's left the PlayStation in there, but taken the plug. Oh, the the, the catalina at the back. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so you can't even play that. So he's really sad in his room, and Irene's there just starting to, to just test the waters. Shows of power here. How far can I push this? Unfortunately, she may have pushed a step too far, because not everyone was willing to let this happen. It was bad enough, according to many, that a woman was a regent. Hmm. But at least Constantine was on the way. We always understood Constantine was coming. Yes. This was temporary. Now it was becoming increasingly clear to many people that Irene had no intention of stepping aside for her son. So one of the largest regiments in the army, called the Armenaic Regiment, refused to swear the oath. This led to another regiment taking back their oath because Irene had forgotten to say no take backsies. <laughs> they then sent word to the capital, send your son to us or we will come to you. Ooh. Reluctantly, the only thing Irene could do was let her son go. Predictably, he was back rather shortly afterwards, this time with the army behind him. Hi! <laughs> hey, Mum. Have you got that kettle lead for my PlayStation? Because <laughs> if you don't, we can have a conversation about that. I need to finish GTA. So the eunuch Starachius was beaten and exiled. Hmm. Yeah. After all, he'd found out Constantine's plot, so no love lost there. As were also many other high officials loyal to Irene. As for Irene herself, she was placed under house arrest in a brand new palace that she'd just finished building in the centre of the city, so that must have been nice. Must have been awful. <laughs> all these servants all day. Smell, smell of fresh paint, though, would get to you, I suppose. Oh, it would, yeah. yeah. The, the, the gloss, just solvents. Well, she spent about a year or so under house arrest. Yeah. Theophanes, a big Irene fan, by the way, because he hates iconoclasm. So, huge fan of Irene, was not too happy about this. And I quote, Oh, the trickery of the devil! How eager he is to destroy mankind by wily devices. Wow. Yeah. Not pleased. <laughs> so now we have some detail where we are clearly missing something. Uh, things are a bit vague, so I have to, to speculate what happens here. Uh, Constantine VI rules alone for that year and a bit, and we'll go over in slightly more detail what happens in his episode, but to sum up, he goes off and he fights the Bulgars for a bit, and then he goes off and he fights the Caliphate for a bit. He does not do well. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> and then Irene is suddenly back on the scene. Okay. Theophanes claimed that she summoned him and demanded to be released, but it seems more likely that factions of the court had shifted over the last year and a bit, 
Um, and after a couple of ineffectual campaigns, uh, the people were starting to look back at Irene and go, actually, maybe she should be in charge. Though. I mean, she's a woman, but <laughs> we didn't lose. Yeah. What an idiot teenager. He's <laughs> so, <laughs> spending way too much time on his PlayStation. So Constantine VI allowed his mother to come back to the palace, and again she started to rule, but with diminished powers. She wasn't allowed to see as many people as she was used to. She couldn't have one-to-one -one meetings with the head of the excubitors, for instance. So makes sense. She, she was back, but definitely put in her place. Yes. So they rule for a while, together. And mostly things seemed to be going well enough. But the army that had initially rebelled against Irene, using Constantine VI, were not happy. After all, they had demanded the Constantine VI put his mother under house arrest, and now suddenly she was out again. So, you know, spill that F in and to be like a slap in the face. Yeah. So, they sent word. Send the General Alexius to us, or we will come to you. Oh, it's worked before, why not try it again? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Everyone's going, Who, who's Alexius? <laughs> well, he was a very popular general who used to uh, command that army who were rebelling. He was currently in the capital. So the, the troops wanted their old commander back and uh, stage a coup. Constantine VI, probably on the suggestion of Irene, instead had Alexius monked. It was while this tension was going on that the Bulgars suddenly attacked. Ooh. Yeah. Constantine VI set off once more. He's gone off for a few wars now. He's got some experience. <laughs> Just imagine that meeting before. Right, guys, another Bulgars are attacking. I, as your emperor, shall be leading you again. Oh. Don't groan, don't groan. It'll be fine this this time it'll be fine. I learnt all the lessons last time. Yes. Pointy bit first. <laughs> and armour is so important in warfare. And and who here doesn't get East and West confused? <laughs> yeah, he didn't do very well. Okay. No. Returning to the city, it was discovered that many men had died. Not just common soldiers, but quite a few prominent men as well. Uh, this wasn't great. Things were already tense, but this was all that the anti-Irene faction needed. Time to get rid of her and her useless son once and for all. This time, the faction turned once more to Nikephorus. Again? Yet again. And Christophorus, and the three that I didn't name. What happened is a bit vague, but it would appear that some of the Imperial Guard were on the anti-Irene faction, and they were the ones that set the plan into action. Nikephorus would be brought out of exile and declared emperor. Irene and Constantine VI deposed. Okay. Simple plan. However, the mother and son rulers caught wind of this before it could happen, so those spy networks still in place. They were able to get to Leo's brothers first. The five men were brought to the palace. We've seen this before. They get monks, they get exiled, and they'll be back in ten years. <laughs> well, the sources state that it was Constantine VI and not Irene who decided the punishment. Oh, oh, a teenager with punishment opportunities. Oh, dear. What do you think they go for? Make uh, you be so creative, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a great documentary about the... Um, is it birching where you tie somebody to, to bent over? Oh yes, yeah, we talked about that near near the start of the series. Yeah, um, that's a bit too a bit brutal. Um, I mean, you could do the whole boiling thing. You could <laughs> cut bits off. I imagine Constantine was saying this to one of his advisors <laughs> whilst his uncles were stood in front of him. <laughs> Remember that birthday present we got for you, sir? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> well. It was soon announced Nikephorus would be blinded. 
Oh, fun. The other four brothers would have their tongues cut out. I prefer that. Yeah, probably to the blinding, definitely. Irene did have one suggestion, though. As her son was busy mutilating people... Cut their todgers off. <laughs> no, not that. Okay. Uh, well, he might as well blind the general Alexius as well, because we only monked him before, and he's just going to come back and cause trouble. You know he is. So. Uh, oh, gosh, okay. Oh, yeah, and those those dodgy troops that keep trying to rebel, they're just going to ask for him again, so should we blind him at the same time? So has decided to blind him at the same okay, time. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, that way not? cause hard feelings. Yeah, exactly. Nip that revolt in the bud. So, this immediate revolt was indeed put down, but as you can imagine, when the Armenaic forces learnt of their beloved general's treatment, they overthrew their current general and went into full-blown revolt mode. Ah. Irene and Constantine VI sent out loyal forces to put this down, but it was a stalemate, and a lot of men died. This is turning into full-blown civil war. Oh, yeah. So, it's decided to get serious. The entire might of the Roman army was gathered. Forces from all the themes, apart from the one vaulting, put together. And they would be led by one man and one man only. Jeff. No, Constantine. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> no... Short version, because we're going to cover it in his. Yeah. He won. Oh! Yeah, yeah, he wins Must this. have been luck. <laughs> well, he got help from his uh, right-hand man, Jeff. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two wrongs do make a right, then. That's <laughs> <laughs> how it works. Anyway, uh, more details in his episode, obviously. However, if Constantine VI felt like he needed his mother's support after his losing streak, well, he just won. Oh, ego. Yeah. And tensions between the two seemed to grow once more. Irene was horrified when she learnt that his son was having an affair with a young maid of the court named Theodoti. Remember, he's married to Maria, who she... Mm. Irene had set that wedding up, but Constantine never liked his mother's choice for a wife. And after the wedding, apparently had very little to do with his wife. So now, emboldened once more, he made a very public move against his mother's control. He divorced Maria... Ooh. And nunned her. Oh dear. He then attempted to bully a disapproving patriarch, Tarausius, to perform the wedding between him and Theodoti. Tarausius, still loyal to Irene, and also believing, as most did in the church, this marriage to be adulterous, after all, he had no grounds for the divorce. No. So th this was going against God. So the patriarch refused. <gasps> he would not marry the emperor. And this, who is she again? But many still thought that Tarausius was complicit due to the fact that although he refused to marry them, he didn't excommunicate the emperor. Could he do that? Well, he could. I mean, he, you can understand why he didn't, but he could have done it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bad crap. Yeah. But he also didn't excommunicate the bishop who finally did perform the marriage. So he's it's, almost... It's probably like a public thing. I'm heavily against this. I will not do this. Yeah, uh, but I'll let it happen. Yeah. I won't stop it, but I won't do it myself. And many people thought that wasn't far enough. Mm. So yeah, generally the church was not happy. No. I should probably point out there's uh, often a rumour shared at this point that Irene actually encouraged this union in the hope that it would lead her son to become so unpopular she could rule alone. Possibly, although this would have been a dangerous game to play in the unstable political landscape. Yeah, it'd leave her very vulnerable. It would, but it's not impossible due to what's about to happen, as we will see. So, things muddle along for a bit more, probably with power plays between mother and son going on for a while that we're not privy to. Yep. Uh, but you've got this strange dynamic developed between the two. Yeah. They're both 
not really fully in charge. They're both rivals. About a year later, the royal court left the capital for ne to nearby Bursa, so they could enjoy the hot baths there. Hmm. Which is nice. Yeah. However, shortly after they arrived, word reached the emperor. His wife had just given birth. Yay! Yeah. Excited, Constantine left immediately to go and see his new son. It would appear, however, that Constantine VI had not fully trusted his mother after letting her out of her house arrest a few years previously, because like I said, she wasn't allowed to have meetings with certain people. But he'd suddenly left, Ooh. leaving Irene alone. Oh dear. With the likes of the head of the excubitors. Hi. <laughs> not spoken for a while. Mr. Excubitor, come in. So yeah, do, do that thing where in films someone says, I've got a plan, and they just whisper and you can't hear what they're saying. So we're not privy to the plan. Yeah, better. But we big, know. Big hand actions, it's like a nice stabbing into something, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And her holding her throat going, ah, <laughs> I'm dying. You stabbed me in my throat. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit like that. That kind of thing. And then just fade to black. Yeah. Yeah, she used her time effectively here. She um, gave gifts. She made promises. She managed to convince at least a couple of important men that she was a far more sensible ruler than her impetuous son was. Yeah. So a plan was indeed put in motion. Soon after this, however, the caliphate invaded again. So Constantine sets off. Off to fight again. This time, however, Starachius went with him. He's back on the scene again. All right. As were several men loyal to Irene. So obviously the chat she's had has uh, moved some people around. She's Ooh. now got some men loyal to her in the army with her son. It's like a game of chess, isn't it? Yeah. What's she going to do? You'll find out in a moment. It's her son. You'll find out. When she oh, it's been nice, like a present. She grounded him last time, so who knows where we're going to go That's next. True. Anyway, according to Theophanes, Starachius, realising if the Emperor won this war, it would be much harder to depose him, managed to bribe a scouting party. Go out, scout, come back, just, just say you didn't see anything. Mm. In fact, say that you saw the Caliphate's army, but they're retreating. Yeah. Yeah, just report that to the Emperor. <laughs> so they did. Well, the countless deaths are about to happen. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so they did. They reported to Constantine that the enemy were indeed retreating. Constantine, a little dis disappointed. I mean, he won his last battle. That's true. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's on a winning streak. Just weird. We're to parallel this story. At the same time, in the army, waiting with to fight the caliphate as a, a young... Well, a young soldier has just joined up with his, with his father for the first time. And, and they've just reconciled. They're genuinely happy to be with each other after years of, of splitting apart. Just just keep that in your head as this, this is happening. Okay, I will. I'll see where that goes. So, Constantine turns the army around and heads back home. No battle, Good. but we don't need to. They've retreated. It's obviously fire. Reports shortly after of the caliphate raising through the land, killing as they went, mm. uh, probably would not have done his reputation any good. No, because that's where his uh, that the young, that father and his young son were, were stationed, in a oh, garrison. Are they now dead? They're now dead. They're very oh. dead. Oh, that's a shame. Bits them are everywhere. I hope Starachius feels guilty. I hope it is as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I imagine Constantine VI a bit red round the ears. Damn it. And then his son died. Oh. Yeah, which is a shame. Some historians speculate that this might have been Irene's doing, but again, there is literally no mention of this in any of the sources. It is pure speculation. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? It's not like child death was uncommon back then. Well, exactly, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, if things were grim for Constantine VI, then at least the plan was working for Irene. 
Because Constantine was less popular than ever, and in turn she was seeming like the better of the two rulers. Mm. Things finally came to a head in June of 797. Irene set her plan into motion. She waited till Constantine VI was out in the Hippodrome. Then she and the head of the Excubitors secured the palace, overthrowing anyone who was not loyal to her. With, with the palace secured, she awaited news of her son's unfortunate death. <gasps> That's harsh. Can't oh, yeah. go from grounding to death. That's a bit of a steep incline. That's what she did. The plan was to assassinate the emperor as he left the hippodrome. Right. Smack. Grounding. PlayStation taken away. The art and export like pocket money stopping or something. No or? assassination. That that's brutal. It is brutal. So Super Nanny would not <laughs> endorse that. So yeah, just picture Irene there sitting in the palace awaiting news. Eventually, the messenger comes in. It's Roger. <gasps> yeah. Not seen Hello, sir. Uh, Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> this is Roger, though. He's not phased. Sure. Hello, miss. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes. Bad news, I'm afraid. Constantine survived. It turns out the gazelles were spooked. <laughs> it was a ridiculous plan. We'll, we'll like leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to see the plan in more detail in his episode. Oh, gazelles. There might have been gazelles. So yeah, Irene realised time was of the essence here. Constantine apparently had escaped the city and was heading towards loyal troops out in the field. It would take him a few weeks to get there, but once he got there, he would be unstoppable and she would be killed. Mm. So she needed to think quickly. She grabbed some paper and scribbled down a note. This note was not for her son, but for friends of her son, who she knew would be travelling with him. However, these friends had already been bribed to betray him. Uh. Oh yes, backup plan. So, this note that was given to Roger to quickly go and catch up with the fleeing emperor said, and I quote here, If you do not devise some way to betray him, I promise to reveal your discussions with me. Oh, that's that's. In- that's, yeah, <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> Irene waited and hoped, which I imagine was a tense time. Yeah, a lot of pacing. Yeah. Sure enough, however, word came back. Constantine VI was secure and he was being brought back to the city. Ooh. He entered the palace and was locked up in the purple room, which is the birthing room for the for royalty. So the room he was born in. Oh, I think I was it as a message. <laughs> you was still a baby. <laughs> Quite possibly. Irene had a choice. She could attempt to keep Constantine contained and leave him as a rallying point for all who opposed her. Yeah. Or she could kill her own son. Oh. Or option three, which she chose. Oh, oh! See, the, the, the optimist in me is thinking, talk him round. Persuade him, this is the best way, but I, I have a feeling from your facial expression that's not the case. So it's some sort, not, not, monking obviously hasn't worked in the past. No. His hands were cut off. I'll stop you. Constantine spent several hours in that room, unaware of his fate, until the door finally opened, in walked some soldiers who gouged his eyes out. Oh, spoons. He either, and sources differ here, bled to death shortly afterwards. Oh. Or, some claim, he survived a couple of years before succumbing to his injuries. But either way, this kills him. That's horrible. Oh, yes. Poor Irene. (laughs) 
That went Ugh. from like zero to ten quite quickly. There, it didn't really it? did. To, I'm not going to harm anybody. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm better than that. It's what you go around saying. And then suddenly, no, hack his eyes out, make him bleed. <laughs> Hope he dies. My goodness. Irene was now, for the first time, the sole ruler of the empire. So now she's the emperor. Now she is fully emperor. The so first are we woman not count- to do so. Are we not counting anything that's going to We're discussing that. <laughs> yeah. Theophanes claims that the sun grew dark for 17 days after the blinding. Not just clouds. Yeah, probably just cloudy. <laughs> Students running behind people with blindfolds. Everything's <laughs> yeah. gone black, everything's gone black. <laughs> Even Theophanes, remember, huge supporter of Irene, yeah. uh, struggles with the idea of a woman being in charge. Like, fully in charge. Could a woman be, like, full emperor? I mean, we're on dodgy ground with regent, so could a woman be emperor? Could she lead an army? Could she rule on laws? Could a woman be the representative of God's empire on Earth? These were big questions. Mm. The answer in these times would usually be a firm no. Absolutely not. Definitely not. However, Irene had a couple of things going for her. The church loved her. Whoa, that's good investment. Yeah, well, she put an end to iconoclasm, which... uh, a majority of the church hated. Obviously, there were strong supporters, but yeah. right now, the church are very pro-Irene. Yeah. And also, the other thing, she wasn't an adulterous imbecile like her son. That's good. I was writing down, not an idiot. <laughs> On top of this, the lawyers and the court all liked her. She built a following around her, and she also issued very sensible laws. So, the people of Constantinople were actually very pro-Irene. She'd done nothing to upset anyone, really, apart from the army. <laughs> yeah, the army were not at all pleased. They just would not be led by a woman. And sure enough, when the caliphate, once more sensing blood, attacked, Irene was forced to pay them off again rather than use her forces, as she just could not trust them. Oh dear. Yeah. However, despite the possible problems at home, Irene's ascension to emperor had set off bigger things elsewhere. Let's go over to Italy for a bit, shall we? Italia. Our old stomping ground. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, you panning over, you panning over. Have you got to Rome? It's a flight, isn't it? Like four hours. No, go quicker, quicker, come on. Speed up. I... Right, you're there, yeah? Yes, yes. Yes, good, right. Now zoom into Rome, zoom into Rome, keep zooming in. Oh, God, right, no, too fast. No, no, you've got to get there quickly. Oh, okay, oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that was right. a head in, rush. Into a street in Rome. Okay, which street? Uh, I don't know, just a, a fairly grand street, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? Put it in the forum. We've not been there for ages. Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh it's gone. It's oh, gone it's down. It's gone downhill, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, and there's a there's the Pope. Look. Oh. Yeah, he's being beaten in the street. Oh. Someone's trying to rip his eyes out. Oh, that's literally. Nice. Why? Yeah. And, and they're trying to cut his tongue out. This is gross. Yeah, that's not good, is it? Oh no, here's some people saving oh, him. Yay! Yay! This is Leo III, not our Leo III, Pope Leo III. Okay. Yes. Uh, this was not a good day for Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you had to rank his days, this would probably come quite low. Yes. Uh, yes. This was the thought going through his head <laughs> as he desperately <laughs> tried to save his eyes. <laughs> this day sucks. Yeah, his attackers were supporters of the old Pope Adrian. We don't need to go into the hows and the whys of why they were attacking Leo. Pontifex can do that when they reach her. But to simplify here, they were not happy with Leo for several reasons, in part because of his friendship with the Frankish and Lombard king, Charlemagne. 
Right. Now, Charlemagne recently had sent the Pope lots of gifts after he had, get this, destroyed the Avars. What? Yeah, we've not heard from the Avars for a bit because no. they kind of moved west. Sort of flitted by. Yeah. Squawking and... And I hate to break this to you, but this is pretty much the end of the Avars. Charlemagne destroys them. There's just one man packing away his feather suit. At the end of this episode, we're going to have a ten-bell, one-minute <laughs> salute to the Avars. But you'll be pleased to know, Charlemagne apparently, um, everything he got out of that war, he sent a large portion of it to the Pope. Oh, good. So just good. imagine all the wonderful costumes the Pope received. That's really sad. <laughs> it's like when you kill an animal where it's fur. It's just... <laughs> Why the Avars? And, and several others. Uh, I just thought you'd be more interested in the Avars. Um, Charlemagne's been doing a lot of fighting and a lot of consolidating Europe. Has he? Yes. Yeah. Killing Avars. And killing the Avars, yeah. <laughs> anyway... Leo was only saved due to some of Charlemagne's men. Those men that came to rescue him, they were Charlemagne's men. Okay. So he's saved. Then there was lots of upheaval. Obviously, people are trying to kill the Pope. What's going on? So Charlemagne was uh, written to, what do we do here? You're the most powerful man around. Remember, it is the Franks who are now keeping Rome safe. Rome has turned away from the Empire. They did yeah. last episode, remember? So Charlemagne says, fine, just try not to kill each other. I'll be there soon, and I'll yeah. sort it all out. It was on Christmas Day in the year 800, yeah, we've reached the 800s, <gasps> that Leo, Pope Leo, out of nowhere, pulled a move that would ripple throughout history. He announced that since the Empire currently did not have an emperor, it was up to the West to provide one. He crowned Charlemagne as the Roman Emperor. Ooh. 324 years after the fall of the West. That's right, the West is back. Yay! Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would be just as glorious as it was during the crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, for reasons that we won't go into in detail just now... The Holy Roman Empire, which is what's being formed here... Because it's based from the church. Yeah. It's not often considered uh, a true successor to the Roman Empire. No. Unfortunately, the famous Voltaire quote that the Holy Roman Empire is neither Holy Roman or an empire has seeped into the public consciousness somewhat, so people just dismiss it out of hand. I've heard that few... I've seen that a few times on Facebook. Yeah. People have commented a, and said that. It's a very popular um, quote... But it stops you from really considering what the Holy Roman Empire was, or more to point, just the rise of the West. Because our modern view of history with its map and list obsessed view kind of skews <laughs> yeah. things somewhat. It, it, it changes the idea of what the Holy Roman Empire was to begin with, not what it became. Okay. So, yes, this was a power play by a pope who was using the fact that a woman was on the throne in Constantinople as an opportunity to consolidate power. Right. So I can now create emperors. I am powerful. And we now have a new emperor. Yeah. Uh, Charlemagne himself apparently was not expecting to be crowned that day. Uh, <laughs> who, me? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there is some suggestion that he wasn't even happy about it happening. But there's also suggestion that they'd been talking about it for a while. It just wasn't planned to be that day. Uh, yeah. but, but we yeah. will get into that another time, perhaps in a season three Candid episode. Cam style. Yeah, possibly. He's in his bed in the morning and suddenly, you're emperor, <laughs> what? Well, what we need to remember is that the idea of Charlemagne 
being the new Roman emperor would not have been seen as ridiculous as perhaps some people see it now. Yeah, because they maybe look at the end of the empire rather than yeah, exactly. how it started. Charlemagne's empire was currently larger than that held by the last Western emperors. Okay. So all of that Majorian and Olibrius and all of that as well. <laughs> yeah. But Charlemagne's got more land than them. Okay. He's got all of Francia, the old Gaul. Hmm. Uh, he's going into modern Spain slightly. He's got all of the north of Italy down to Rome. He's even got land over the Rhine, which the Romans have never had before. That's true, yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a good chunk of an empire there. Not only was it bigger than the end of the Old West, it was also currently bigger than the current East. Ooh. Yes. Irene's empire at this point is Thrace, Asia Minor, Greece, the southern tips of Italy, Sicily and Sardinia. So it seems like basically Turkey and a few other places. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Okay, um, that's interesting. On top of this, yes, the West had fallen on hard times recently. It wasn't the Roman Empire anymore, but it was still Christian. It had the Pope in it, after all. Mm. And culturally, okay, things have changed, but it's as close to 5th century Rome as Constantinople currently was. Because mm. current Constantinople looks quite different to classical Roman times, doesn't yeah. it? More backlava. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, was this a seamless continuation of Augustus's empire? Well, no, obviously not. But the people at the time didn't think like that. The empire no. was God's empire. Yeah. A, a concept that transcended maps and lists. So, people of the time were more able to believe that this great unifier, Charlemagne, was here to continue God's empire, which had fallen on hard times recently. Yeah. He, he wasn't taking up where Augustus left off. Yeah. He was just taking over from Constantine VI, who had just died, because the East hadn't put in an emperor. Someone needs to do it. What better place to start it in, you know, Rome? <laughs> Yeah, Whether exactly. Romans. So, yes, it's dodgy. We're on <laughs> shaky legal, legal ground here, but it, it's not ridiculous. No. Uh, there is definitely strong links here, and a lot of people would have gone for this. So that's our detour to Italy. Let's pop back to Constantinople and see what they think about all this. I bet they're thrilled. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not going well. Uh, everyone's kind of looking at each other. Like, what? What? Who? Who the hell is this barbarian claiming to be the Roman Emperor? <laughs> Charlemagne Magni? What? And and who the hell did he think he was with his larger territory and his backing of the head of the church and his military record that rivaled the great names of history? And how the hell has this happened? <laughs> <laughs> what have we become, Jeff? What have we become? <laughs> yeah, it must have been a bit of a wake-up call. Mm. I think even at this point, Roger was going, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Am I on the wrong side? <laughs> However, before anything could be decided uh, in the way of a, a move, uh, what action do we take here? Irene received a message from Charlemagne himself. And I'll paraphrase her. Fancy getting hitched. <laughs> Why? I don't that was that, the actual message. Yeah, it was. Why don't we get married and unify East and West? <gasps> the Roman Empire will be glorious once more. Oh. There's no way she'd agree with that. Irene knows she is a stone's throw, quite literally, away from a revolt. Oh, maybe she does then. Yes, yeah, she's popular, but her army are going to turn against her. But if all of a sudden the army know that Charlemagne's army won't won't like his wife being defrauded, uh, they're going to think twice, aren't they? Mm. So Irene snaps this opportunity oh, really? up. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yes. Now, she had recently been dealing with the fact that rumours were swirling around that none other than Starachius was plotting to betray her, so she had had him arrested. But upon finding out that he was dying from a fatal illness anyway, she kind of let the matter slide, and he dies. A new eunuch took his place. Um, Unfortunately for Irene, however, this man named Aetius was not as loyal as his predecessor. Aetius had a a cousin called Nicetus, who was soon the head of the Excubitors. Together, they were plotting to take the throne. First of all, Aetius made several public speeches attacking the new Western Emperor. It was not hard to convince people in the East that this illiterate barbarian Charlemagne was up to no good. Soon enough, Irene realised it was politically impossible to go on with this proposed marriage. So, it was cancelled. Which is such a shame. Could you imagine? I don't know, it probably wouldn't have been as simple as thought it would have been great again. Of course not. But still. It would have been fun. (laughs) It would have been a good story to tell. Anyway, that's step one for Aetius and Nicetus and their plot to take the throne. Yeah. Stop the wedding from happening. So then they move to step two. Take the throne. (laughs) (laughs) It was a simple plan. Uh, Irene had recently taken ill. She was bedridden, which is really not what she wanted. Not this time. No. It's like Hillary Clinton when she had a, a pneumonia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the worst time for this. Any sign of weakness, uh, yeah. she she knows she will lose it, and she is mm. bedridden. So now is the perfect time to strike. Aetius and Nicetus sat in a room with their blackboard, ticking off their list, making sure they've got everything ready to go. When news reached them, a revolt started. Oh. Oh, what well, well, our revolt? No, no. A different one. Well, that's stolen our thunder a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they, it would appear everyone was just waiting for an opportunity. So, instead of Aetius and Nicetus, the finance minister. That's right, the accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sir. A man named Nicephorus. It was a popular name back then, obviously. Um, I'm definitely not the other one. <laughs> I can see for a start. This moustache is <laughs> definitely not hooked over my ears. Well, Nicephorus was appalled by the money being sent to the caliphate. Remember, Irene had had to make a yes. detail. Yeah. yeah. And also, Irene's tax laws were a huge hit with the people. They loved them. But it was draining the treasury. So, it would appear that this accountant got wind of Aetius and Nicetus's plotting and realised this was his opportunity as well. Oh. So he slammed down his abacus <laughs> and stormed out. Beads flying everywhere. <laughs> yes. Nicephorus approached the palace with some other officials and demanded to be let in. Irene had sent for him, apparently, due to Aetius's plotting. And he was fully believed. It was a believable story because Aetius mm. was indeed plotting. Once inside, however, he soon won the support of the palace guard, who happened to detest their leader, Nicetus. Because obviously Nicetus is in charge of the imperial guard. Yes. Yeah. Nicephorus sent out word that Irene had declared him emperor in order to stop Aetius's plan. He also then discreetly sent some troops to guard the room where Irene was currently lying ill and unaware of anything. Just to keep us safe. Yes. Irene first knew that she had been deposed at dawn the next day, when she was taken to Nicephorus. He told her that he had not sought the position. But this was thrust upon him. He even (laughs) showed her his black sandals. I don't wear red shoes like an emperor. I wear sandals and socks. (laughs) And I carry my pocket abacus. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) He gave her a couple of options. 
<laughs> you could fight this and die where you stand. Or you could just tell me where the hidden treasury is. We all know you've got a hidden treasury. Oh, it sounds a bit dirty, though. <laughs> and if she did that, he would not harm her. She could then go and live as an empress should. Peaceful, quiet, let me do the ruling, you just stay out of the way. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. Leave leave the ruling to the men folk is essentially what he said. Ooh. Yeah. Theophanes, again, big supporter of Irene, remember? Uh, slips in some wonderful sexism here. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the wise and God-loving Irene, although liable to be affected by her sudden change of status, as she was a woman, <laughs> spoke with noble and intelligent purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and that highlights the, the struggle Irene would always have. Even yeah. her biggest supporters expected her to fail, because... She was but a lady. Anyway, she apparently gracefully accepted that she had lost power, told Nikephorus that she would indeed not fight. Shortly afterwards, she was exiled. <sighs> Sorry, I just know what's going. To the Isle of Lesbos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where she died shortly afterwards. <laughs> there you go, that is Irene. How. Quite a story she has. Yeah. You wait on them? Yeah. Still This will be interesting. It will. Fightius Maximus. Okay, not much to discuss this round. I mean, militarily, it's not great, apart from fighting back the Bulgars near the start. She then had to pay off the Caliphate a couple of times, and the only successes under her rule, I think, we need to give to her son. Uh, but then again, also the losses go to her son as well. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. It's only that war against the Bulgars. Quick question, though. When, when are we judging this from? Because other people, we do it from when they're the sole emperor. No, no, we don't. We don't. Seriously, every time, Jeremy. Every time. We, every time. <laughs> we always judge on their whole life. Okay. <laughs> Literally, Tiberius's episode, we set this precedent. <laughs> Tiberius. <laughs> so we, we don't need to worry about timings. Okay. You look confused. You don't believe me. Do you? I don't know. I. Well, what? Uh, it, if I remember correctly, and this was a long time ago now... <laughs> uh, Tiberius did a lot of fighting when he um, managed to get the Alps into the Empire. But he did that, and a lot of other impressive military stuff, when he wasn't Emperor. Yeah. He did no fighting as Emperor, so we debated should we count it, and we decided, yes, we will always judge their military career based on their entire life, not just whilst they were Emperor. Is then just successes that is Emperor? Uh, yeah, sort of. We've never really discussed that. It's no. just generally how successful they are. I'll go with it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'll show, you know, after three years, I should ask. I haven't read an 11 episodes, right? <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> I had one job just to remember something. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, fighting the Bulgars was under the command of Starachius. Uh, yes. Constantine too young to be anything at that point. So, yeah. we can count that. So, she wins some points there. But apart from that, there's nothing. Right. Unless... We start to consider political fighting, which we sometimes do. I think we need to with her. Yeah, uh, because you cannot escape the fact that, as a woman, she had to fight every step of the way to get where she was. And then <laughs> she had to fight even harder to stay there. Absolutely. She had revolt after revolt after revolt. And she eventually was going to succumb to one of them. Yes. Because it was just going to keep happening because of who she was. And she had to fight that, and she did remarkably well. 
the fact she basically stayed in power from when her son was nine to I'll find out later. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite impressive. It's got to be, I can't imagine it's going to be like decades, but it's going to be. Yeah, it's, well, we'll find it's out. impressive. I mean, I, I'm not going to give her huge points here, but I think she does need the acknowledgement that for her to achieve what she did would have been harder than anyone else we have covered so far. Yes, I agree with so, that. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give her a couple of points for fighting the Bulgars, and I'll give her another bonus point for political fighting. What are you going for? I think three. It's not that high, is it? I'm more impressed with the fact that she was a female at the time. I'm giving her four. Okay, then. I tend to give five to honest. No, that's yeah. more... No, I'm, I'm going to stick with four. If, yeah, I don't think it can be that high. Uh, but, I mean, she still scores... Seven. Seven, that's not terrible. Yeah. yeah. Been a lot worse. Could have been worse. Right, next round. Aprovium crazium. She cut her own son's eyes out. Okay, right, odd one this, right? Because we are obviously fighting not just the misogyny of the Romans, yeah. but also the misogyny of modern historians. Really? Well, yes, to highlight the problem here. Uh, Norwich, the famous historian, describes the death of Constantine VI as, and I'll quote here, one of the foulest murders in Byzantine history. He states this and outlines this in the very first paragraph that Irene has mentioned. It's literally, oh. Irene, she did this to her son, one of the worst murders ever. Terrible. Which immediately, like, if you say one of the foulest murders in Byzantine history, got me thinking. Hmm. Okay, what about Constantine, as in the great, I thought to myself. Because... If you remember, he also murdered his son. Yeah, he did, yeah. And his wife. Oh. Yeah, so I turned to the first paragraph in the same book where Constantine the Great is mentioned. And this is a quote from the first paragraph. No ruler in all of history has ever more fully merited the title of great. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no mention of him murdering his wife and child whatsoever. No. No. It's... Almost the, the, the taboo of a mother turning against her child mm. has just overridden everything else. Yeah, yeah. So what we're going to have to do here is try and look past that shock of her killing her own son and judge her in the way that we've always judged the others. So let's break it down slightly. First of all, she ordered her son's eyes to be torn out. <laughs> yeah. And then he bled to death. I mean, that's pretty extreme. I mean, there's an indirect killing then. Yeah. It's supposed to be a uh, disfigurement, but it's like a secondary effect. <laughs> Interesting you say that, because um, the blinding often led to death, but it wasn't a death oh. penalty. But no, no. It was almost like a, a punishment with a gamble. You, you, <laughs> you might die. <laughs> Russian roulette you, You've got to know that death is a possible outcome if you order someone's blinding. Okay. But it often comes up that Irene ordered her son's eyes to be removed in a particularly severe way to ensure that he died. Uh, oh. But again, couldn't really see any evidence for this. Nor could he. Right, and then, let's turn to all the other things she did. Ah. Uh. Oh yeah, I mean, when you actually stop and think about it, Irene is, is widely put up there as one of the more extreme emperors. Yeah. But what else is there? There's the rumour she had her grandson killed, but, I mean, that seems to be a modern invention, as far as I can tell. I can see nothing uh, younger than modern historians speculating on that. She Yes, she ordered the blinding of a few other people, but that's in keeping of the time. Mm. Uh, 
worthy of a couple of bonus points maybe, yeah. but certainly nothing out of place whatsoever. And to counter this, despite the many coup attempts against her, she never went off the deep end. No. No, I, she was actually quite reasonable in some of her... In fact, for most of it, she was. It's just, yeah. like, the end is almost like, I don't know, it's panic, or, like, yeah. as anyone would in that situation. I mean, there, there's no bloody purges. She doesn't no. start harming people for the sake of it. Um, yeah, you've got the big shocker. She she killed her own son. Mm. But it's not like we've not seen that before. No. So, what are we going to go for? I think I think two is fair. Oh, you're going lower than I am. I'm definitely going to... What are we going for? I... I I, I need I'm... more consistent. Like, one brutal thing, I think it's two points. Like, every brutal thing is two points in my head. So, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking a point for the fact that she ordered some mutilations. Mm. I'm thinking maybe three points for the ripping out of your eye, the eyes of your own son. So, yeah, let's, let's get some consistency here. I've uh, just had a check. Yeah. Augustus. Let's go right back to the start. If you remember, he ripped the eyes out of someone. Mmm. With bare hands, didn't he? Um, yeah, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> we scored him seven in total in this round. Constantine, as I mentioned, killed his son and mm. wife. We scored him 11 in this round. Okay. So, and I think we're on that sort of level here. Huh? What, what were the other factors, though? There wasn't much for the others. Uh, there was a bit more for Constantine. I'm thinking less than Constantine. I'm going to stick with my four. So your four. I'll move mine up to three. Actually, I might even go to five. Nah, man, four. I'm sticking at three then. I'll go, I'll go up to three. Okay. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to go to five. <sighs> Augustus ripped the eyes out of someone, but it wasn't his own son. Then I'm going to go to two. No. <laughs> <laughs> Minus five. Let's have a battle. <laughs> Are you staying on three? I'm staying on three. I she think that's ripped fair. the eyes out of her own son in your she own did, story. She did. She ordered three. that. Yeah. And that's one one flash of a bit of, whoa, that's a bit much. But Yeah, I, I, I think five's a bit high, but I think you're too low, so that's what I've got. <laughs> That's not allowed. It's fine. It's a total of eight. I think that's... No, I can live with a total of eight. That's fine. Success ultimate. She put an end to iconoclasm. Yes. Yes. She also unified, sort of, the East and the West churches. Or at least started building the bridges back up again. Yes. That's pretty good. Her tax laws were, to be, were described as helping the common people and merchants. And she was also well-liked because of them. And we don't have much details, but it would appear that these were good, sensible measures well, yeah. that she put into place. She helped rebuild the city after a couple of earthquakes. That's nice. Which is nice. The fact that her history focuses almost entirely on political intrigue within the palace indicates that everything else was doing all right. Oh, yeah, Because if she issued some disastrous policies... They would have been picked up on. They leapt upon, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. And then, obviously, the big one. She's the first female emperor. That's a big deal. To be the first of something like that, that's important. <laughs> so you say the first. Was she also the last? No. Really? No. It, again, it depends how you judge it, but we will see more. Okay. Not many. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bad. The Empire doesn't really do anything big during her rule. It sort of ticks along. But then considering the times, ticking along's not terrible. That's true. These turbulent times of the growing Empire in the West, the Caliphate keep picking at the edges and stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
So if this was just straightforward, another emperor, things ticked along, I'd probably be in the four region for this. But this is her successors, and she managed to become emperor and rule for a significant amount of time. We've always judged this on the benefit of the empire at the end of this round. How is it benefits the empire? Never personal. If she didn't do that, her imbecile son would have been in charge. That's a four from me as well. <laughs> I know, I'm going to go home for I'm going to go to oh, five. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving I'm her bonus four. points for breaking the mould. Uh, she wasn't an amazing emperor, but... Could have been worse. Y- you've got to admire the fact that she clawed her way up there. That's true. In very improbable times yeah. for women. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I am. Actually, uh, five. She did get rid of iconoclasm. That was big. Do I go to six? Yeah, I do, actually. Six. You have six? I'll go for six. I am impressed. That's a ten. That's a ten. Half marks. That's not bad. Not bad. Right. Image of What's she look like? Is it still a coin? It is still a coin, yes. Um, eyes, nose, mouth. Yeah, yeah, she had all of that. Lots of big... Like her son. Stereotypical eyelashes. <laughs> stereotypical eyelashes. Because she's a girl. I'll just show you. Oh. It's not a great look, is it? She's got an anchor on her face. She's got sort of a weird flat crown uh, with beads coming down. It's just a badly put together coin. She it's has that hair decoration. Yeah, has... we've seen that before, haven't we? We have. Be loops could be like curly. I think it's the nose. The nose just it looks like an, an anchor. Just imagine a U shape for the head, and then imagine a whale tail on top and the the fins of the tail are her eyebrows and the, the trunk of the tail is her nose. It's quite distracting just in the middle there. And her eyes look half closed as well. Like, yeah. Like, it's not a great coin. Do you want to see what's on the back? Oh, there's more. I quite like this. You ready for the back? Yeah. It's the identical same image. Brilliant. Do you think she was proving a point? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm on both sides. <laughs> I'm Emperor. <laughs> Meh. There is a mosaic of the Empress Irene that's often used. Uh, okay. But actually, when I looked into it, this is a later Irene who was married to an Emperor. Um, so if you've seen a mosaic of Irene, that's not her. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we've got to judge on this coin. Um, it's not, I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's not great. I'm going to score it three. And I'd have only given it two if it wasn't fat. I like the fact she put herself on both sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah, that's quite good. Um, I I'll agree with that. That's for sure. One point two five. Tempo completo. Okay, now we have a debatable tempo completo. Her sole rule was seven nine seven to eight oh three, but essentially five years. That is what she's usually given right. in lists. However, it is undeniable that she ruled as regent for 10 years before Constantine VI put her under house arrest. And she was definitely ruling in those 10 years. Did she have a title of emperor? Um, well, yes, because she was empress. Or did she have the title of regent? They didn't really use those titles. Everything's a bit murky. Uh, she was ruling. I think that's more important. She was in charge. However, Constantine then ruled for seven years with Irene's powers being diminished. <laughs> in those seven years, Constantine was clearly in charge. Irene was still there for most of it, still had power, but yep. not as much. So, I've decided on a compromise. On her <laughs> card, she will be dated from her regency to her deposition. Right. So she'll get a nice long date 
there because I, I think after her husband's death, she was essentially in power. Hmm. So I'm not going to start at 797. I'm going to start at 780. However, there was seven years in that that she wasn't actually in charge fully, so I'm not going to score her on that. So, she gets a score for ruling from 780 to 790, 10 years, and then from 797 to 803, a further five years. So I'm going to say 15 years. Okay. I, I, can, I can get on board with that. I think that's fair. 15 years, that's not bad. Well, yeah, exactly. She managed to keep it all together for that amount of time. That is longer than I'm saying, I'm going to say most, if we were to get an average. <laughs> yeah. that out, but it's certainly not bad. That is a score of 1.88. So that is a yeah score of 28.13. Oh dear. It's not an amazing score. It's not yep. terrible. You're a, a gnat's a gnat's leg away from a from a thirties club. Mm. Yeah. It's a shame. It would have been great if our first female emperor was a, a high flyer. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, the thing that she is most known for is the killing of her son. And we decided, actually, she doesn't deserve that many points in that round, because no. she's far more reasonable than most people make her out to be. So uh, that's hurt her score slightly. However, has she got it? Do they have a certain je ne sais No. What? Really? <laughs> I'm hardcore misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I mean, the only way I'd want to give it to her is because she's the first female emperor. In the same way I'd give Augustus because he's the first emperor. emperor. Yeah. I think by default she has to get it, even if it wasn't for the fact that she also tore the eyes out of her son, and I'm going to tell that story in future. <laughs> to my class and my children. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I can get on board with that, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'll... I'll, I'll... <laughs> you, you crumpled. No, 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 I crumpled. Just because, like, as an emperor, meh. Literally meh. But... That is the only thing that gets it for her. It's a shame. Like, you head. just know if we have more detail, it would be amazing. Because yeah. how did she survive? Because yeah. we don't have detail, it's just, oh, things muddled along for a bit more. Yeah. But she must have been working at it day in, day out to keep her position secure. Absolutely stressed. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, she's not scored the points, but I am hugely impressed with her. Mm. So I'm definitely saying yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll happily go with yes. Okay. That is... Two yeses. Well done, Irene. You have Genesis. Yay! And there we go. What are you expecting? I think about that, actually. I, I knew she'd have a hard time. Um, the sun thing was quite cool, though. Very juicy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was sort of what I would have expected. It actually did better than I expected. So that's that's positive. Do you see why I placed Irene before Constantine? Then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have ruined the flow of that story if I yeah. stopped at his death. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, well, there you go then. Thank you very much for listening to this probably slightly longer than usual episode. Yeah, it's very uh, exciting. Uh, next time is Constantine Six, so we'll get to see his side. Go into a little bit more detail about those wars he kept losing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably going to be a short episode because uh, we've covered most of what's happened. Walls, eyes, yeah. lots then, a lot of things, didn't they? <laughs> After that, it's uh, Nikephoros, the uh, the accountant. Brilliant. Yeah. So there you go. Sandals and socks. Thank you very much for listening. 
please check out Grim Reading, uh, a fantastic podcast. And also, make sure you go and visit Scott Rowland's Roman and Byzantine History Group on, on Facebook. Uh, a fantastic group full of people who are really enthusiastic about Roman history. And I, I believe he said they've just reached 26,000 um, followers on the page. So that's, yeah, that's full, full. It's full of people. And it's great as well. If you go on there, you've got a question about Rome, uh, people will happily answer, answer it for you. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Uh, someone the other day posted an image of a coin, Roman coin, saying, well, "Who is this?" And there were like eight replies um, within seconds. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, that's good. Right, okay, so check all of those things out, and, and don't forget you can download us on Poppy iTunes as Stitcher and leave reviews. Do leave that. reviews, please yeah. leave reviews. It's yeah. good for us because it makes us feel happy. Mm-hmm. You know that warm feeling you get on Christmas Day. Yeah. When you've had a whiskey. Yeah. That's like every time we read a review. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, it's good. It is good. So, until next time, all that needs to be said then is... My eyes! My bloody eyes! Mother, why? Why do you curse me so? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys, drink. Thank you. Where, where are the other two? Oh, they've. Oh. Oh no! Don't tell me. They're going, hard. They're going up to the karaoke. Oh, every time. For the last fifteen years. We get it. We get it. Her name's Irene. It sounds a bit like the song. And she's doing quite well, you know. Low, you know low what? Taxes. You know what? At the start, I said no woman could be earned for. You know what? I was right. You, you, was, you were wrong. I was wrong. Oh, they're, 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 oh, they're getting the microphones out. Uh, always drop the microphone. Oh, it's picked up. Oh, that's oh. fine. Oh, and they're singing. It's dreadful. Listen to it. It sounds nothing. This sounds nothing like the song. They can't even hold a chip. They've had so much a dream. They are so active. Oh, this is awful. This is amazing. Oh, oh, I think I would like, pull her eyes out if she heard this. No. <laughs> too soon, too soon, too soon, too soon. Oh, they're doing actions. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. Stop the art. Where'd they get the dungarees? Oh, the banjo. I mean, you've got to give them points for effort. But my ears are bleeding. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Sancho Cruzy, and not just from the alcohol. Being inordinate. Being inordinate. Do you know what I almost did? Inordinately. 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 Do you know what I almost did? They're selling these ghost pepper uh, pork scratchings. I was tempted to buy a pack tonight and say every time you mispronounce them, you'd have to eat one. (laughs) I'm I'm glad I didn't. No. Well, you're glad I didn't. Yeah. Inordinate. Inordinately. 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 Yeah. Being inordinately. Inordinately. Being inordinately addicted to precious stones, he became enamoured. Got it in one. With, yes. (laughs) He. (laughs) He became enamoured. Oh, for (laughs) f***.
Next week I'm buying them. <laughs> he he became enamoured. Uh, I've already said that. I don't need to say it again. Enamoured. He became enamoured of the crown of the great church. So yeah, Hyreen was then forced to negotiate from a worse posi- position than a worse position than she would have had to initially because she just lost some high up officials. Yeah, which is not great. No, is that a tally of how many words I mispronounce? <laughs> no, <laughs> just noticed what you're I'm doing. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just interested how many ghost pepper chili you'd have to eat. That's all. So oh, that's that's seven worth. I'd, I'd say, at the end. My, but I have faith in you. I think it's going to stay at four. Sorry, I'll stop now. I'll, I'll cross what? it out. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you mispronounce your next word. <laughs> yeah. Right, where even are we? I have no idea. It's going to be a long episode. Go, yeah. <laughs> I've got to stop being a... Um, what, after three years? Ooh! Oh. <laughs>